0: The goal is that nobody has sex except to reproduce. You know, like I I think that sex, sex for pleasure is out. Like that's part of the reason that Clarence Thomas is, is talking about contraception. That sex for pleasure is a, a privilege for the rich only.
1: What's up,
2: everybody? Welcome to the Bitchuation Room podcast. Once again, it's a live stream. It's a podcast. It's in your ears. It's in your eyes. It is not in your uterus um, like the Supreme Court is. Oh, I hate this week. I hate this country. I hate this entire summer. I hate everything about this country. Nothing is good except for salty and sweet things. It's a great song. It's going to be good eventually. Um, I just got to, I need a few drafts. And um, it'll be wonderful, you guys. We're going to get into the entire uh, SCOTUS ruling, the different aspects of it, what it means, what it's doing. Uh, how we feel about it. And uh, I need everyone to rage with me. I need you to be here with me through it all. And as well as a uh, comedian, Kate Willett, will be here with me to rage through it all. And then we're going to switch gears because there is some good news in the Americas, just not in the United States of the Americas, uh, but down in Colombia, in South America. Uh, for the first time, a leftist president, Gustavo Petro, was elected, and that's huge. And so we're getting BBC correspondent Daniel Pardo, who is based in Bogota, who is Colombian himself, very cool, uh, joining us. And he's going to break it all down, explain how this happened. Um, and I will just throw out there that Colombia had a very, very militant grassroots, in-your-face pro-abortion campaign and achieved decriminalization of abortion up until 24 weeks, which is pretty damn big. Uh, They followed in the footsteps of countries like Argentina as well. So maybe we need to start looking elsewhere for inspiration, you know, because I don't feel particularly inspired by um, American history right now, especially because we're reliving the worst of it and we're about to. That being said, if you are here, if you're on YouTube, make sure you're liking and sharing the stream. Let people know this is what you get up to on a Sunday night. Um, If you are listening as a podcast, thanks so much. Make sure you leave this podcast five stars on iTunes. I just want to read a very, very, very sweet review of the show that uh, made my heart sing. This is from Clarity, who says... Um, listing one of the things that I'm grateful for is society crumbles. I am so grateful for you and this podcast and YouTube channel. Super smart analysis interwoven with hilarity. Gotta have it. Thank you so much as society crumbles, as the world falls down. Sorry, I'm doing the labyrinth. If you needed to know where that was from, <laughs> we podcast as the world falls down. Also, Kate is going to be joining me for a special bonus Bish. Um, We may get to the stuff we couldn't get to in the main show. um, But specifically, um, Kate's very active on Twitter. She's also a comic. Wonderful. And she was recently the object of, like, a weird Yimby pylon. That's Yes In My Backyard, sort of, like, super pro-development. You know, build, build, build in every single city. Um, No... Uh, Like sensitivity around affordability or no sense of affordability. Just build, build, build. That's all we need. Uh, So more condos can be bought by foreign investors. Um, Anyway, she stepped on the weirdest hornet's nest that I've ever seen on Twitter. And I want her to break it down for me, what happened and for you guys. So become part of the Frantifa, you guys. Patreon.com slash Bituation Room is how you do that. Uh, Support this show, you guys. This is a grassroots funded effort. I am so grateful to each and every one of you who are part of the Frantifa know that all the perks are coming, uh, including an AMA. So please, I'll give the date for that, but send me questions, Bitiation at gmail.com or to the Patreon inbox. Let's get into whatever you want to talk about. Um, send in my way and we'll, we'll do that AMA very, very soon. Hopefully maybe the, the first week of July, we can do that. And as a reminder, guys, we got merch on this show. Yeah. Is it tacky to try and hawk my own merch while society crumbles as clarity said? No, it's not because you're supporting a underemployed woman in podcasting, woman of color in podcasting who's pregnant all the things all the things literally so uh bituationroom.com get your frantifa shirts get bituation room shirts a tote bag working on the bitch caps of course uh forever working on the bitch caps um (laughs) but let's uh, oh my god let's get in to what you guys are bitching about what i'm bitching about you know so just reach inside your soul take a deep breath and uh let me know what's got your goat So obviously, I would love to see a bunch of the dudes on the Supreme Court's heads on pikes and um, go full Daenerys scorched earth on these motherfuckers. Um, But particularly right now, um, as I am like five and a half months pregnant, I am very much this is hitting me in different ways, not just the literal kicks from the baby. Um, but it's just it's it's affecting me. And and I'll tell you how it's affecting me and how crushing and angry this SCOTUS ruling makes me because of it. A lot of people, you know, you might assume that someone who chooses to be pregnant uh, would somehow be more pro-life. No, 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 not the, not the case, not my case and not uh, many people's cases when they become parents. Uh, if anything, it makes them way more pro-choice, um, way more for abortion rights. On demand, accessible, free, um, and of course, I say pro life in quotation marks, uh, but because a couple things, the idea that someone right now, okay, so let me just say right now, the idea that I might have a, a, a like something go wrong with my pregnancy, I might fall ill, right? I might find out that I have cancer. I might something might be. Devastatingly wrong with the fetus Right? Something that would Prevent it from living Or prevent one Of us from living. If that were To come about, heaven forbid If I'm living In states like Utah, if I'm living In states like Ohio Right now, my life is In jeopardy. Not just The fetus's life Obviously, even if it's not viable It's me. I Have to die for the minimal chance that I could bring new life into this world. Oh, wait a minute. But you're pregnant with a girl. Oh, I guess. I'd, I mean, does that matter any less? Because she doesn't have as many rights anymore. So what are we talking about? In fact, I think she has the most rights now as she's in the womb than she ever will. No, baby girl, we're going to fight for you. Don't worry about it. But so I just want to name that the the terror I feel around people who need urgent care and the fact that abortion is healthcare, that administering abortions are, is healthcare and late term abortions are so rare, but when they are rare and when they exist, they're really serious and often very grave situations. Not always, but often. So often, That is something that's hitting harder for me right now. The other thing that's hitting harder for me is the idea. And I want Kate's opinion on this, too. You know, she's got some great stand-up about it. But the idea that you would carry to term a rapist baby, like, I can feel this thing inside of me. And, like, even carrying to term, like, a fuckboy's baby would make me my skin crawl. Caring to term someone who I didn't want to, like, co-parent with, who I didn't want to see again, who we just, we had a one-night thing, whatever, it would make my skin crawl for nine months, and then you birth the thing, and then you have to, what what happens next, like, just, that is insane to me, that is insane. Absolutely insane to me. It's disgusting. It's fascist, and uh, it is exactly what the right-wing Christian nationalists in this country want me to feel. It's what they want all women to feel, and all people who can have babies to feel. So I'm fucking bitching about that. And and finally, the fact that we all know you guys uh, will will follow up with the stats, but it's like the the number the number of abortions. Um, that are sought by people who are already parents is huge. It, it's like, I, I don't know. I think it might be the majority, actually, of people who seek abortions already have a family. And guess what? In a country without paid maternity leave or childcare or fucking $15 minimum wage or affordable housing or healthcare, yeah, it's their right to not bring another life into this world. I feel like pro-lifers or anti-choicers are just rich people flexing. Like, is that all it is? Anyway, I'm done. I'm done. I digress. And I, uh, you know, this baby's going to come out fucking just, it's just going to kick, drop kick its way out the womb. That's what's going to happen. I was very much yelling and angry on the streets the other day. I feel like the baby was like, damn. Oh, damn. I got an angry one, didn't I? (laughs) Um, All right. And with that, I got to bring in to just talk all about this. Comedian, actress, writer. You've seen her on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, or Netflix's comedy lineup. And she's the co-host of the political comedy podcast, Reply Guys. You guys should all check out. Please welcome Kate Willett. Hello. Nice to see
0: you, Francesca. Congratulations on your pregnancy.
2: Thank you. Weird timing. What
0: a weird time to be pregnant, I can imagine but yeah Uh
2: uh-huh yep i uh i i had this joke that wasn't working it was working great with comics but then other people didn't know what i was talking about but i was like i feel like i'm in the final days of movie pass paying full price and everyone else is and everyone else is like what are you doing movie pass is going away take advantage of it you know like that's what it feels like um clearly not not a not a keeper of a joke i gotta i gotta rewrite i don't
0: i never got on the movie pass train i should have <laughs> but i, I yeah I, I missed it i didn't really know about it till it was over
2: yeah it was like eight dollar movies for a, a month or something and you could like use it as many times as you wanted anyway that's what that's what abortion should be like just like a yeah. abortion pass, you know, you get your tenth one free with nine
0: <laughs>
1: Yeah, I
2: love it. Uh but Kate, um what are you bitching about today?
0: Well, you know, gosh, I mean there's there's so many things. I mean, certainly my mind has been really on this uh Dobbs ruling every everything that you mentioned. And you know, I I've been thinking a lot specifically about um like the Biden administration's relative inaction in the face of this decision and you know it's it's very upsetting it's upsetting because you know more should be done to protect all of these people who are now being forced into birth and you know many of whom will not be able to go out of states out of state for various reasons either because you know they're underage minors or because like the you know like states like illinois now like huge, huge backlog of, you know, abortion, needed abortions and there's not enough doctors and there's not enough appointments. And, you know, I I mean, the Biden administration had, like, a long time to prepare for this. We knew that this ruling was coming in advance. And, you know, I was just thinking how, like, infuriating it is that he's not doing anything. And also, just to me, it feels like our political system is so broken that people will pretty much like flatly defend the idea that literally the most powerful man in the world, in the world, cannot do anything here, you know?
2: No, it's, it is a really like, it's a, I think it's like a symptom of powerlessness as well. Like when one feels powerless, like you kind of resort to like, even more powerlessness because it makes you feel better about your not doing anything or not feeling because you're like, well, what can he do is the line that like liberals constantly repeat. Right. And people who are like not aware of the many things he could do, if nothing else, just giving a better speech, which we'll get into. Um, but it's this like, it's the most defeatist mess up. Um, similar to like, well, uh, you know, at least sweatshop workers have jobs. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's along that line of like, whoa, 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 don't 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 ask for full human rights here. What are we supposed to do? Um, We're going to get into more of the Biden's ineptitude um, in a little bit. uh, Very, very soon, in fact, Uh, we should go into it. But before I do, I want to go over a little bit of what happened this week. Other other than the Dobbs ruling, Um, the Senate. Passed the bipartisan gun legislation for the first time in 30 years. Uh, It didn't expand universal background checks. Just background checks for, like, kids who probably don't even have a criminal record anyway. So, tight. Um, But it did close the boyfriend loophole, which prevents guns from being sold to domestic abusers. That being said, the whole, like, forced birth thing kind of cancels out any assistance to women who are trying not to die. So, I feel like, you know... Sort of, uh, we've X'd it out there. Um, January 6th hearings continue this week and we discover that Trump put pressure on the highest levels of the DOJ to claim that the 2020 election was corrupt. The attorneys general surprisingly chased many of the leads Trump gave them, including watching a 20 minute video sent to them alleging Italian hackers had used satellite technology to flip votes. Which is called Italy Gate, my favorite conspiracy. And I just love that like under Trump, the so-called deep state is just being made to watch youtube videos about themselves like about the deep state <laughs> like that's the extent of their investigation elon musk's child who just turned 18 has decided to change her name in accordance with her gender identity yes she is a trans woman and she has changed her name from musk to wilson saying she quote no longer wishes to be related to her biological father in any way shape or form proving once again fatherhood is a construct everybody that that is that is absolutely right in addition to overturning roe v wade scotis also struck down a hundred year gun law in new york effectively giving gun owners more rights than uterus owners which means only one thing we have to start shooting the peen We got to, that's the only way to protect yourself from forced birth, guys. We got to shoot the D. Shoot it right off. (laughs) Um, And finally, at least five SpaceX workers were fired after they wrote an open letter about their concerns over how Elon Musk's public statements reflected negatively on their work. um, Which makes it very clear that the free speech absolutist absolutely can't stand his own workers speaking out. Mm, Not at all take it to Twitter. And just as a little side note, one of those workers is habituation room listener. So shout out to you. Please uh, let us know if you ever want to talk about what's going on. Uh, Thank you for your bravery and let us know how to support SpaceX workers and your efforts to organize. Uh, And for everything else, this is the week where. So this was the week where um, the Supreme Court of the United States overturned uh, Roe versus Wade, um, changing a 50 year precedent on the right to seek an abortion and to receive an abortion. Um, Not that it wasn't already being chipped away at, but here we go. And it very closely follows um, the leaked ruling from Samuel Alito uh, only a month and a half ago or something um, again, it was a 6-3 vote with all extremist justices, including three of the recently Trump-appointed justices um, on the conservative side, um, as well as John Roberts um, and his dumbass. Uh, I wanted to mention that Clarence Thomas directly uh, stated that other rights should be revisited after this, like gay marriage, the right to con- uh, contraception the right to doing it in the butt and I call it doing it in the butt because anal just, I don't know why doing the butt. sodomy. Thank you. Sodomy. See, getting all biblical on me. Kate. Okay? Shit.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm coming at this from a deeply religious perspective.
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 The Holy, the, the yes. The, the commandment of sodomy, sodomy, uh, even though, um, he didn't mention interracial marriage or the Loving versus Virginia ruling, which is very interesting. Um, and I think he totally knows and wants to put that next because it's his only chance of getting out of any responsibility for his wife, Gin- Ginny Thomas's like seditious activities. It's like, oh, we can't even be married. I'm not. I'm not even. This has been illegal. Like this. Has been. I mean, I I know this is like. I I know.
0: I know you're joking, but. I mean, holy shit, like, Senator John Cornyn brought up Brown versus Board, and I would not, like, basically, the people that have, you know, said, oh, okay, the conservatives will never do this, especially the conservative legal movement, I mean, hasn't that just been the wrong take every time? (laughs) Like, they, they will not... There's not really anything that's too awful for them to do at this point,
2: you know. Oh, absolutely. We're we're well into gonna be into. I mean, we already are into resegregation territory, and they. Yeah. That's exactly what they're going for. Um, Obviously, uh, there were immediate impacts of the Roe v. Wade um, decision. So just so you all know, 13 states have trigger laws, which are designed to snap into effect immediately or soon after the Roe reversal. Nine states have bans that predate the 73 Supreme Court ruling that guaranteed a constitutional right to abortion. Some states have both. That's very interesting. Um, Then you can see this map of sort of where abortion rights are protected, where they're not. Um. Banned or mostly banned in those nine states where we're talking, including um, Texas, Ohio and Utah. Texas, by the way, is the state with the most un- uninsured people in the country in terms of health care. So um, just, another, just another notch on their belt of being reactionary and wanting people to die. Um, then you've got states like Georgia and Iowa that are very likely to ban um, abortion. Um, Michigan, where the future is unclear. Um, But for example, a 1931 law that calls up calls for four years of prison time for doctors who perform abortions and possibly for women who take medication to induce an abortion. Took effect Friday. Uh, Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer said in a statement, um, Whitmer, who's up for re-election, called the law antiquated and noted for now a Michigan court has put a temporary hold on the law, but that the decision is not final. She filed a lawsuit in April urging her state Supreme Court to determine whether the Constitution protects the right to abortion. What's amazing about laws that were devised in 1931 is it's like, you know, it's like how how global warming releases all these, these like ancient bacteria from the permafrost you know <laughs> like yeah that's what our country's going through right now yeah like once certain rights get melted away all of these old laws of like you know i don't know if you step on a crack you do break your mother's back like i don't like just fucking random ass shit is just going into effect
0: yeah i it, it's I mean, you know, not an original point, but it's pretty wild that, like, we are at the point of having less reproductive rights than 50 years ago. I think it's really challenging, you know, that, that, like, kind of fundamental liberal idea of, like, the arc of history bends towards justice. I mean, does it, though? Not certainly not automatically.
2: No, exactly. Or that, I love, uh, I, I'm reminded of Condoleezza's like slavery would have ended anyway, quote. Um, <laughs> which which honestly is not even that much of a right-wing belief. It is sort of a centrist belief of like, things just get better. And if they don't, we
0: ignore them. I mean, I was thinking about this this today, right? Because, you know, the things often do get better over time. Not always, but, you know, like, if you think about something... You know if you think about uh the movement for what was at that time called gay marriage um civil rights um you know all of these things are i think you know broadly accepted Mm -hmm. by centrists and at the time people were actually in the streets fighting You know, centrists were telling everybody, including, you know, recently in, like, the same-sex marriage example, uh, you know, we're we're saying, like, hey, you need to calm down, be patient. I think that centrists really do not understand that, like, everything that they like that has happened, that's, like, kind of a a liberal goal, has only been possible because of the work of the activist left that they hate so much, you know?
2: 100 percent. I mean, and, and we're in Pride Month still. And, you know, I think people have been calling into sort of summoning up the spirit of a group like ACT UP, you know, and folks who put their bodies on the line because their friends and comrades were dying um, in the like, you know, the AIDS movement. Right. And the and the like health, which was also a healthcare care movement. Um, and it was militant as hell. Um, and and yet I think you're right. I think there's a lot of people that once you become comfortable, you sort of like extract yourself from the general struggle and assume it's always been that way rather than I have these rights because other people fought and died for me. And like, it's a shitty, like, I feel like it gets used against feminists a lot, a little bit of the like, you know, well, the first wave feminist movement did a lot for you. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like It's it's sometimes used against us asking for more. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. You know, our people, you know, the right loves to bring up examples of like, oh, you know, you think you're oppressed. Well, how about in, you know, X country? Usually it's a racist example. Um, But, you know, it's like this, the movement to, you know, get our rights back, you know, that we lost is certainly going to, need to involve, you know, tactics outside of voting. I'm not saying don't vote, definitely really vote, but I mean voting is surely not going to be enough and yeah. you know, the Democratic Party is like out here being like vote, donate and, you know, all of the like sort of, you know, stands. I mean, it, it, there there seems to be sort of huge resistance like among kind of mainstream democrats of like towards the tactics that will actually need to be used here you know yes it's
2: gonna be a lot more than just voting and i want to get into biden's reaction a little bit and and get your thoughts first i have to finish up with some of the funnier and also the more shrill responses to all of this um hell yeah so (laughs) one of my favorite parts about this is some of the like outings of people who've had abortions and or use contraception uh the way normal people you generally should and have the right to um so this is Doug Ducey um who is a what is he is senator no no he's a he's a re- representative correct um pick, uh, page fill me in I'm sorry I it's been a day Doug Ducey writing, I am proud that Arizona has been ranked the most pro-life state in the country. Here we will continue to cherish life and protect it in any way possible. Quote tweet by a woman named Neen NAB or Neenab three, writing your son made me take plan B after we hooked up, but carry on. Sorry. That is the governor of Arizona. See, I'm sorry to all the Arizonans. I don't know your governor. Um, But that's the fucking governor getting called out by a hookup that his son had. And I love that so much. It's so funny. And then similarly, but kind of more significantly, um, as we all know, Republicans have been responsible for many an abortion. They just don't speak about it now. All of their mistresses, probably at one point or another, Donald Trump, for sure. Uh, Oh, yeah. I don't know about Mike Pence. I feel like Pence is probably like I don't even think that dude fucks his own wife. So like I think no, he calls her mother. Yeah, that's not a that's not a
0: passionate relationship going
2: on. <laughs> no, Mike Pence is doing victory laps right now. By the way, it's disgusting. Uh, yeah,
0: that's. I mean, I don't mean to push you onto a, a, a tangent, but it is so weird that like as depressed as we feel. There are people that feel so happy right now. Like I'm thinking about how I felt after a, ber- a bird fell. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you say it. I don't
2: know. A, a- fell, is- I just learned. A I F- fell.
0: Yeah. I mean, just like this, like elation and it's so creepy to me. There's people who feel that way right now.
2: It reminds me. I'm like, it's like, are you all like 12 years old and went to like a cool youth group from like a shitty Christian ministry and you were like wow I I did that really because I did that too and I'm like that's the level of delusion that I feel like these people are in (laughs) just like everything is Christian rock and great and like there's cute boys but like you won't touch them you know like that's the like yay life I I
0: mean to your point at the beginning of the show yeah even if you're in a You know, I thought you expressed that incredibly well. Like, you know, even if you have a very much wanted pregnancy, things can go wrong. I mean, hopefully not. But, like, it it is a medical risk. And, you know, certainly, you know, women that these, you know, horrible Republican ghoul guys love, like, will have things go wrong in their pregnancy. And and abortion will be medically necessary for... Some of these women and, you know, like, uh, how not everybody can get helicoptered out of the state in time, you know? Absolutely.
2: And are they prepared to sort of say goodbye to their loved ones? Uh, both. It's so sad. Both the unborn and the mom because Trump, because God, because I don't, God would want her to bleed out. I fucking can't figure it out. But I have to say, one of the best clapbacks on Twitter I've seen this entire time or the best sort of outing of a hypocrite um, is by a woman um, named uh, Laura Dominic. What is her name? Laura Santo Domingo, which I think is a very funny name. And, yeah, she's sort of a a wealthy woman um, because she was friends with Ivanka Trump. And she tweets at Ivanka Trump, Ivanka Trump, you are noticeably quiet today. The high school friends who took you to get an abortion are not.
0: Damn. I didn't see that one. This is my first time encountering this.
2: This is, okay. Now she has deleted this tweet, but she is a real person. Um, she is like, you know, a socialite author chef person. Like, you know, whatever, one of those. Blonde. Blonde and on the internet. Um <laughs> No, I'm sure she's great. I don't give a shit, dude. I'll buy all her books after this. She straight up outed the fact, alleged, that she helped Ivanka Trump get an abortion. And good. She's a good fucking friend. Good for her and good for Ivanka for be, having friends like that, supporting her. But like, this is the level of hypocrisy that we're talking about. If this is true, we should blare it from the window tops and project it onto every
0: building like this tweet is gold yeah it's i mean you know normally i don't think that you should out people for having an abortion or you know you shouldn't out people for being um you know, who aren't ready to come out of the closet as as queer yet or something. But in these situations where there's extreme hypocrisy and these people are making laws that are, you know, preventing so many people from having the freedom that they've enjoyed, I think it's totally merited.
2: Absolutely. I mean, this is the sort of, like, women stepping on the skulls of other women in order to get ahead. Like, Ivanka is the most perfect example of that bullshit, fake feminism that honestly, and like, uh, you know, boss bitch that honestly, like Republican women get away with all of the time. They're such fragile little, cause I'm sure the right, if they ever responded to this, which they won't, but you know, the way they defend Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the way they defend everyone, it's just like, Oh, they're such fragile flowers. How could you go after her? How could you say this? And then if anyone goes after any woman, who is a liberal or on the left, they're like, fuck you, cunt, you're horrible. You know, like pile on, pile on. Um, and so, yes, uh, Ivanka, talk about it, girl. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's like the cool thing to do, really, is to shout your abortion. Shout your abortion. Um, let's yeah. hear about Ivanka's like taking a picture
0: of herself in the shirt. Yeah, you know?
2: <laughs> shout your abortion, Ivanka. Let's get it started on hashtag. That is that's how I speak now that I'm about to be a mom. Let's do a hashtag about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but okay, so why don't we get into um let's just go real deep, real hard in the in the crazy paint, Kate, for a moment, because Utah is one of the states that fully has banned abortions. And one of their state representatives, Carrie Ann Liz Listenbee, um took it upon herself to uh opine about what is and is not in, in a woman's control in terms of her own body, um, because she received a text message or a, a message to her office saying, hey, why don't you regulate penises? And she had the perfect comeback. Um, take a look. That I clearly don't trust women enough to make choices to control their own body. And my response is, I do trust women enough to control when they allow a man to ejaculate so inside of them and to control that intake of semen. So that may be inflammatory, but I think as a legislature, we have the responsibility to create a legal framework that is friendly and supporting rights. She has the ability to control her own body. She has the ability to control how her
0: intake of semen. I I actually missed like the sound did for me at the beginning, so I don't know what you said. What did you say? She, that's
2: okay. That it's worth repeating uh, that she said that she does trust women to control their own bodies, specifically control the intake of semen that comes their way. and a semen
0: intake. That sounds like the worst diet of all time. <laughs> Worse than keto, even. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just really don't want to hear... Like, I can't... You know, in a just society, I can't think of any situation in which an elected official would need to say the word semen. None. No. No, not at all.
2: And it's... You know what? It also kind of makes me like... It makes me wonder whether conversations back then, especially we talked about sodomy laws, like how were people talking about this and how, when, you know, when Roe was passed, were we just like throwing around the words semen and calm and ejaculation? I don't think so.
0: At all. I don't think so. No, I don't. I mean, I don't know. There was a really good book by someone named Jenny Brown um called without apology Mm -hmm. and it's it's published on um i think like under jacobin's label if we remembering correctly, but um i don't know label it's like records or something i don't know jacobin's company but uh she goes into the history of how abortion was talked about and you know An amazing thing about it is just, like, for so long, it just, like, wasn't a big deal. Like, even, like, at the kind of, like, founding of the United States, it was considered very normal to have, you know, an early term abortion. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I do want to get back to the question at hand, which is, Kate, can you control the semen intake of a part? Can you control your partner's ejaculation? I'll go first. No. Um, especially, um, when there's, you know, a lot of them, there's like, I mean, we could, does she want to talk about pre Do we should we get into it? Does she want to really, should we assess that whole situation? But like the idea, like, what are they going to do? Are they going to, I, the other night, I think last night I was like, are they going to just hand out like scoopers? Like, do we, does every woman get like, here you go, Utah women, you just use it to scoop out the semen. That's not the Utah accent, but it should be. Um, Well, I think that the,
0: the goal is like, is that nobody has sex except to reproduce. I mean, like that's very much what I learned as a young Catholic. Um, And, you know, like, I, I think that, you know, sex sex for pleasure is out. Like, that's part of the reason that Clarence Thomas is, is talking about contraception, that sex for pleasure is a a privilege for the rich only. And, you know, the rest of us, you know, just have to fuck when we make babies or something. Like, even married couples, so you're not really supposed to be doing that with each other.
2: Which is very funny to put the genie back in the bottle around sex and whether it is for pleasure at a time when, like, pornography is most of the internet. It's Yeah, I mean, it's like,
0: I think that, you know, and I, I can't, I mean, I know that there's these evangelical nutcases or whatever, but I, I mean, I can't imagine like a more unpopular political idea. Um, <laughs> people tend to enjoy sex. I mean, they already took our jewel, right? So, <laughs> you know, it's just like... I mean that sex is a pretty popular one.
2: No, I mean the, uh, there's only so many young Republicans. Do you know what I mean? There's only so many of them. The problem is they all happen to be like wealthy, and they like get far, and then are like just funneled into legislation, legislative positions. Um, but yeah, there's only like five young people out of a school of like 500 that you're gonna convince. This is the right line. You just can't win on that. No jewel and no sex for pleasure, because that is where it's headed. But it, but of course, like that's even beyond the pale for me to like. What do you? What? So you don't want people to fuck. You just don't want people to fuck, um, unless they're trying to start a family. Um, so that was Carrie Anne, uh, who very good with the Kegels and um, obviously controlling her semen intake. One has to wonder how many chances she's had at it. Um, I guess it is not very many, but let's look at another woman. Um, God, we have to do these because they're so ridiculous. Okay. So this is, um, this is Mary Miller, who is a representative from Illinois. She was recently elected and she spoke at the January 15th, uh, fifth, I believe fifth rally, um, maybe sixth rally. She spoke at a MAGA rally, but she also spoke at a MAGA rally this weekend. This is what she had to say about the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, and notice what she says in terms of protecting life. What kind of life? Take a listen. President Trump, on behalf of all the MAGA patriots in America, I want to thank you for the historic Victory for white life in the Supreme Court yesterday. White life. Now, I've seen this many times. Here's what I will say. I do think that she probably misspoke. But that being said, two things. One, she did not correct herself when she said thank you for protecting white life. Um, And also... It is the most Freudian slip because we know that ultimately this is this weird ploy, even though it's honestly black and brown women and women who are disproportionately poor, uh, who are not going to be able to access abortions. But this is a play to make sure we continue the white race.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And, uh, and, you know, it's like. Even if she misspoke or something, I mean, the crowd was cheering. It's not like people were like, holy shit, how did you say that? You know, I mean, it was obviously a crowd that was extremely receptive to the words that came out of her mouth.
2: Absolutely. White life. She's she claims that she was trying to say the right to life. And I get it. Right. White. Very similar. Also happened to be kind of handy because you did get an applause break. Um, And let's be real, Mary Miller, this is what she was saying um, in and around January 6th about Hitler. If we win a few elections, we're still going to be losing unless we win the hearts and minds of our children. This is the battle. Hitler was right on one thing. He said, whoever has the youth has the future. Our children are being propagandized. Okay, so um, calling out the so-called good things about Hitler, tight, tight tight.
0: Yeah, I mean it's like you know an overused word, but is there has there ever been a bigger dog whistle there?
2: <laughs> Anytime you're, you draw out carve outs for Hitler's good qualities, you're like, nope,, mm-mm, nobody does that unless you're a Nazi. Yeah,
0: surely there's, um, I mean, you know, there's the classic, uh, what is it, Bette Midler song, I believe, The Children Are Our Future. She could have easily gone with that example, you know. So. <laughs> many to choose from. Yeah, certainly a lot of people have talked about the importance of, of kids. Um, so no need to really bring Hitler into it, I think.
2: <laughs> I'm pretty sure. It just good. go to goodquotes.com. There's, like, so yeah. many
0: quotes about kids.
2: I'm sure. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into what the hell the Democrats have done, what they're doing. Kate, you mentioned um, your disappointment at Biden's response. Uh, I do want to look at his speech and give him all the lack of credit that he deserves. So here he is. His initial response is, um, "You need to vote." The only way we can secure a woman's right to choose from the balance that existed is for Congress to restore the protections of Roe v. Wade as federal law. No executive action from the president can do that. And if Congress, as it appears, lacks the to vote to, votes to do
0: that now, voters need to make their voices heard.
2: So it's not on me or us, it's on you. Not me, us. Hey, I'm using a Berkneyism.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, personally, you know, I'm I'm very upset right now. So I'm sure it's influencing some, you know, in some way. But I mean, I I just find this to be absolutely disgusting. Um, to ask for our vote while not doing his job. I mean, like, if I don't do my job or if you don't do your job, like the times that we've worked for an employer, like you get fired for not doing your job and you know, it's like, I don't know. I mean, people love to kind of talk about the political constraints, but I mean, I'd like to see him trying and failing at least, you know?
2: Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think to be honest with you, I I was, um, I was on the fence before this, this decision came down in terms of whether I thought Biden should run again. um, Just, just because, just because whatever, I guess he did it once, do it again, um, and then we'll get someone, you know, really good, uh, 2028 kind of thing. And this has put me firmly in that he should not at all be president, camp. Um No, he won't
0: win. I mean, his approval rating was like, I was looking at it today, his approval rating was... People under 34, like 18 to 34 is, uh, it's like 25%. Like the young people are mad and you, you can't win without that entire demographic, you know?
2: Absolutely. And and as they should be. I mean, I think they've been, I was at a demo the other day and a 13-year-old girl got on the mic, you know, 13, having to take the streets over this. And she shouldn't have to. And I just want to say that the line from the Democrats of vote harder vote more, like, give us more money. It is so crass. It is tone deaf. And it's offensive. And like, you can talk about voting, that's fine. But you have to actually give us something to vote for anything, literally do anything. But don't rest on like, well, remember the one time child tax credit, we had that thing that we expired anyway, we didn't fight for duh, we did things, you know? Yeah, and we see that they have, you
0: know, infinity money for war. Um, <laughs> we see that they can immediately pass legislation to uh, make it illegal to protest in front of, you know, Supreme Court Justice's house. Like, I mean, it's you just, I, I mean, especially coming, Not, I don't want to say coming out because we're still in it. Like, you know, this pandemic, it's like, you know, Biden largely ran on being able to get, Covid under control, and it's still not. And I mean, it's you know, I, I just, I, I what a miserable failure of a president, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, and and you mentioned people under twenty four. Um, here's a young woman speaking to thirty
0: four. Oh, under like, it's a lot of people. Yeah, so. <laughs>
2: I like to remind people from time to time that Bernie got more votes of people under 35 than both Trump and Hillary combined in 2016. Um, Also a fun time to remind people that more people, more Bernie voters voted for Hillary than Hillary voters voted for Obama in 2008. So take that anyone who's trying to come for fucking Bernie people right now. Um, It doesn't,
0: it doesn't matter to them. I mean, it's like, I think like, you know, I don't remember the exact percentages, but definitely over 70 percent of Bernie voters voted for um, Clinton and Biden. I think also maybe even substantially higher than that. It's a safe estimate. And, you know, you still see people like blaming Bernie voters for this. It, it's like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a false, you know, I, that's not why
2: it happens. No. And here's how that's hitting uh, on the streets. Uh, This is a young woman named Zoe Warren, who spoke to MSNBC. I'm surprised MSNBC even aired this. Uh, Take a look. For abortion rights. Um, Thank you guys so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Um, Zoe, talk to me first about why it is you wanted to come out here today, because something that struck me um, was when you were speaking earlier, and you mentioned your anger because you had received a text message from the Biden campaign. Why is that?
0: Um, So I received a text message from Joe Biden's campaign yesterday saying that the Supreme Court had overturned Roe v. Wade and that it was my responsibility to then rush $15 to the Democratic National Party. Um, And I thought that was absolutely outrageous because my rights should not be a fundraising point for them um, or a campaigning point. Uh, They have had multiple opportunities to codify Roe into law over the past 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and they haven't done it. And if they're going to keep campaigning on this point, they should actually do something about it. What are you most worried about, Julia? (laughs) Yeah, tea, right? Like, I mean, she expressed that so well.
2: Yes. And they have had chances. Um, I I don't want to subject you guys to Pelosi's reading of an Israeli uh, poet in response to Roe v. Wade. But I do want to mention that you know as recently as 2016 and i feel like kate you're a great person to talk about this with you know nancy pelosi when clinton lost was saying look we need to not focus on identity politics and the fact that we talked about abortion rights really alienated the conservative voters this is in an interview with the washington post and she says Um, It can't be a litmus test. We need to win back conservative voters. And we're a party of working family values. That's how she framed it, which is so fucking rich to me because you have this is the biggest cock block to like progressive working like working family legislation Is Y Pelosi, but when it's convenient for her, which is to throw pro-choice people under the bus and abortion rights people under the bus, oh, she's gonna touch that rail, she'll use that. Suddenly, she suddenly it's all about working families. It's just so clear how cynically they use identity politics. When it benefits them to shit on the left, they'll do it. When it doesn't benefit them because they wanna appeal and coddle the fucking fascist right, they're gonna do that.
0: It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's pretty disgusting. I think that, you know, I mean, there is this this mythical voter that we hear about all the time of like this, you know, usually we call it like the suburban voter, white suburban voters, you know, and everything uh, or like the, the swing voter and everything is supposed to be for this person who like really truly doesn't exist like most people's politics are pretty like incoherent and complicated and (laughs) vote a lot based on inflation you know (laughs) like it's not um but you know i think that the the function that that trope serves is like this you know moderate suburban voter that's a way that they can talk about what is actually the interests of corporations without saying like oh this is what our corporate donors want and You know, that's the way that they can also uh, campaign for someone like Henry Cuellar against a progressive pro-choice woman like Jessica Cisneros, you know, by saying, oh, we have to get this moderate voter. No, you got to get the more pro-corporate guy in there. It's not, I don't think the Democratic Party, like the people that are, I mean, I'm sure like, does Nancy Pelosi individually believe that abortion is you know, fine, probably, but it doesn't matter because like our rights and our interests are just like not even on their list of things that are relevant to the decision at all. So, I mean, they will support abortion when it's politically expedient to do so. And even some of the times that it is politically expedient, they won't do it then because they don't really care about losing. But it's like, I mean, it's just, there's nobody fighting for us. No one.
2: There's a few. There is. I mean, yeah, there I are said,
0: like, a, couple, a few individuals, yeah. <laughs> a couple individuals.
2: But yes, I, yeah. I agree. And I do want to give Biden minimal credit. He was very strong in saying he defends a woman's right to travel to get an abortion
0: Ah. Eh? Yeah, I mean, Biden has, like, to me, one of the most disappointing moments in the 2020 election was seeing, you know, feminist orgs and prominent feminists refuse to endorse Bernie Sanders when it was down to just Biden and Bernie. And part of the reason that upset me so much is because Biden's track record on abortion, is pretty bad, like the Hyde Amendment. I mean, just, you know, people who listen to the show probably know what that is, but it prevents, you know, federal funding for abortion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the senator, Henry Hyde, like explicitly out loud stated like, hey, I'd love to prevent everyone from getting abortions, but, you know, we can't. The only people who can really have control over getting abortions is poor women. We can prevent them by preventing Medicaid from covering it. And Biden supported this until 2019 and that's a a direct attack on the most vulnerable women in our society and and queer people too i don't want to just say women but it you know also like it's just
2: i mean i think that's a really good point i think it's so clear that he was going to be even worse than someone like obama who um i have to take you down memory lane in 2007, on the campaign trail, uh, this is what he was promising Planned Parenthood, specifically one attendee who was very worried um, in 2007 and said, we need to codify Roe. And so, uh, yeah, what happened?
0: What would you do at the federal level, not only to ensure access to abortion, but to make sure that the uh, judicial nominees that you will inevitably be able to pick are true to the core tenets of Roe v. Wade. Well, the first thing I do as president is is sign the Freedom of Choice Act. Uh, That's the first thing I I do.
2: First thing I do is sign the Freedom of Choice Act. There we go. So making Roe v. Wade law um, rather than sort of this tenuous, um, you know, blanket like, no, don't make, don't abridge me. But it's not necessarily a law. (laughs) It's not necessarily the law of the land. Um. So that was 2007, and this is him in 2008, not long after assuming office, being asked specifically about uh, the Freedom uh, the freedom of Choice Act. Here you go.
0: Freedom of Choice Act is not my highest legislative priority.
2: Okay, and uh, and nor was it ever. So not only his highest, but never made it in. high Amendment, still
0: active today. Yeah, and that means, what that means, not to, like, make us go down this line, but, you know, like, women who are in these states that, you know, have banned abortion, except for, like, when a a mother's life is in danger, uh, it, you know, it's like, they may still have a hassle of a time getting an abortion, if they're able to at all, due to cost. Like, it's just horrible. It's, I mean... No, and
2: it's, it's, it's it's like, it's so soul crushing. I can't like, the only thing I can say for SCOTUS. Good on them for not doing this and releasing this, this, um, decision. The same week of the Uvalde massacre. Um, because we would have burned it all to the ground, number one, but also I think my heart would have exploded into a million pieces. And like, yeah, I, I just, I just can't, I just, and not to say we both, those two things shouldn't or may not already will happen very soon. Um. Anywho, Um. So, yeah, so Biden's like, well, we should, you can still travel. Yeah, who can travel? Who, who's got the money to travel to get an abortion, right? Um, yeah, and is there going
0: to be federal funding to, to travel? No. And part of the reason that there's not going to be is because of the Hyde Amendment.
2: Exactly. And, you know, Kate's bringing up a very good point overturn the Hyde Amendment, try, at least try to do that. Um, there are other suggestions from Representative Ayanna Presley, um, who's saying, Declare a public health emergency over abortion rights. Clinics are being shut down right now. People are being turned away right now. She says we must act urgently as if lives depend on it because they do. Um, This was her and I believe a caucus of black women in in Congress Writing, President Biden must recognize this as a public health emergency and commit to utilizing every executive authority necessary to protect abortion access, including expanding access to medication, abortion and over-the-counter birth control and protect the safety of those seeking and providing abortion care. So that's, for example, like we got tests after a lot of hang ringing, but we got COVID tests. You could get them sent to your house. Why not have plan B? Or Plan C gets sent to your house.
0: Yeah. And, you know, what? you may you may have this on your list already, but Elizabeth Warren and others have brought up the idea of, you know, there's federal lands in red states. You could have abortion clinics there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think AOC echoed uh, Warren's uh, suggestion and also said, um, restrain judicial review, expand the court, clinics on federal lands, expand access to education. Expand education, access to Plan C, repeal, hide, whole floor votes, codifying Griswold, Obergefell, Lawrence, Loving, et cetera. Again, gay rights, right to contraception. I mean, gay marriage, right to contraception. Um, the the bill, interracial marriage, sodomy laws, making sure those don't get overturned. Um, vote on Escobar's bill protecting clinics. I don't know about that bill, but look, there's a bill. There's So there's a lot of stuff that can be done. Um, But no.
0: Yeah, there's like, you know, there's the Democratic Party who really I don't think cares if they win or lose. It's you know, this is like a a, they seem fine being the opposition party, you know, in a way that seems like what they most enjoy. And then, you know, there's like all of their defenders, you know, in media, you know, who will kind of push this whole narrative of like they can't you know, they can't do anything, if we could just get rid of, like, this pesky left that is trying to convince you that they could actually do this, and, you know, the Bernie bros, and the, you know, people who are, you know, shitting on our only chance to stop fascism and stuff like that, but, like, the actual experience of people like me, you, a ton of other people with uteruses all throughout the country, is that, like, we can look at this situation with our own eyes and see that they're not even trying and you can't take people's like, I mean, you can't, you can't make people like uh, discredit their own lion eyes or whatever. So, you know, it's like, I think that if, if
1: a person like
0: I do believes that like, actually, you know, the GOP is trying to end democracy and fascism is a real threat now, it's actually un conscionable that they're not taking more action right now not only for people who need abortions but to like you know keep like trump out of office in 2024 and prevent this like sweep that's going to happen in november probably we
2: just saw a whole crowd cheer white life whether it's yeah whether on by mistake or not they probably loved it in the face of that you've got Pelosi reading poems. And so I think you're absolutely right about this, which is, and I think that actually some centrists and, you know, more um, liberals who maybe didn't like Bernie, hopefully... Are starting to see that like the emperor has no clothes on the democratic side either. That they don't know yeah. what they're doing. They haven't had a plan. They've totally failed us. And this is such a crown jewel in what Democrats have lauded for so long that they believe in it. That they oh, and our glorious R uh, you know R B G who should have fucking retired. You know, like there's all these holes in that bullshit narrative of how safe and wonderful it is in you know as a moderate democrat but moderate democrats can't fight fascism that's no it's it's,
0: literally no they absolutely can't i mean it's i you know i think there's a lot of truth to that like socialism or or barbarism quote you know like as you know as things get more extreme for everybody you know just stuff gets more extremely bad like by necessity the people who want incremental solutions that's going to become a lesser number you know, every day, like, you know, if it's, if the world is incredibly shitty, like, not a lot of people are going to want it to stay the same, you know, so yeah. people are getting radicalized, and it's, it's in one direction or another, you know, and, and this, like, This idea that like a lot of you know centrists have that if they can just tell people that it's really important to vote for you know to vote against Trump okay I personally will do that but you know like the amount of people that will do that that's going down because in a way I mean it's like just like I wouldn't vote for somebody who was anti-abortion like I would not cast my vote like people in general do not want to vote for somebody that you know whose policies are gonna kill them and this like yes you know this neoliberal frankenstein that the you know biden administration is is, is like you know there's there, i mean there's just more people struggling than ever with like inflation homelessness gas prices i, I mean people are just not going to do it absolutely. I absolutely
2: i mean i think that and it's such a It's such a cynical, like, uh, patronizing response to say, um, well, kind of it's on you. It's on you, um, poor people, for not reinvesting in a system that's never invested in you or given you what you've asked for. It's on you, young people, who are constantly blamed for low turnout, even though there's been no reason for them to come out and vote. Now, personally, and on this show, and I think people know, I'm absolutely you know, I think voting is an offensive mechanism nine times out of 10. And you're lucky if I mean, I've seen I I feel even in my lifetime, just seeing someone like Sanders run at the presidency is amazing. And to be able to vote in the primaries, my hopes has been amazing. But like, I I am I reject sort of the, the like some of some leftists who are like you just want us to vote democrat. I want you to vote strategically against fascism. Yes, but in yeah. my mind the strategy against fascism is to vote for progressives and leftists. But that being said in our two-party winner take all bullshit system, yeah, you're going to have to vote for a fucking, you know, oh, I got I can't even say Buttigieg, but you know what I mean? Like that's that's where we're at. So it's like
0: I kind of the left playing of capital. You're gonna have to vote for, you know, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, so, but, but it's true that, like, the, you know, you see these young people in the streets and you're like, yo, you, you can't blame them if they have, if they're not being, they're not seeing anything. It's just going to depress turnout. And what does that mean? It doesn't mean someone's consciously not going to vote. It's that they're not, they're just not going to consciously vote. They're not going to, they're going to let that ballot. Sort of slide. They're gonna not make time to go out of their way. They're gonna not research candidates. They're not gonna. They're just. They're not gonna fucking make the effort because, of course.
0: Yeah, I think that you know. I mean, the way that this stuff gets talked about online is like, you know, there's that everybody who doesn't vote is like a an extremely engaged Bernie Sanders voter. That's someone who doesn't vote. Like, I mean, most <laughs> of the people who are extremely engaged with politics do vote. Like, you know, right? It's, I mean, like. The people who are paying attention to this shit as, you know, a hobby, essentially, or or a compulsion, most of those people vote. Like, you know, people who do not vote, you know, are, are like, basically, you know, just like, fuck it, it doesn't matter to me, my life is staying bad, no matter what, and are not engaged, because they've completely lost hope or because the last time they voted, you know, remember the $2,000 checks, vote for Ossoff and Warnock, you're going to get a $2,000 check. Do you think that people forget that you promised them a $2,000 check and then didn't deliver on it? Because $2,000 is something that really mattered. To a lot of people at that time, especially, you know, and people do not forget that they're the last time they put in it's the thing that they were promised to make their life better didn't occur, right? But it,
2: it, if you added it with the the 600, it was 2000, um, yeah. I
0: mean, but it's no, like, centrist, like, both. Yeah, media people, like media people and, you know, just reply guys or whatever, they think if they can come up with the most smarty pants explanation for why Biden can't do anything or why it actually counted as $2,000 or, you know, why RBG should have stayed in office. And it's like, there's just an increasing number of people who do not give a fuck about your smarty pants explanation because they're suffering.
2: You, We think the majority of people are on Twitter. No, they're not. They're not. Yeah, they're not having yeah. these
0: debates. And you're
2: absolutely right to call that out that like enthusiastic Bernie supporters aren't the people who abstain. The people who abstain are overworked and haven't seen anything materially changed in their lives. Also, you don't get election day off. So maybe we work on that if we care yeah. about voting at all and then the other or
0: guys, voting rights. They're voting. Also failed so cynical. I mean, there was the John Lewis voting rights act that restored, you know, many of the protections that were uh, taken away, you know, have been taken away by the Supreme court state courts rolled back since the 1965 voting rights act. And that would have been, you know, that would have reenfranchised, I don't know the exact number, but uh, let's say a fuck ton of people. And they didn't pass it. And nor was there any real political pressure on, you know, rotating villain <laughs> Joe Manchin to, to do it, you know. And it's like, I mean. You got to you, eat
2: your vegetables with what spoon yeah. or fork? I don't have any tools with which to eat these vegetables. You fucking told. That's a perfect analogy. You yeah, just like. It's, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. You're so right on that. It's just like. And we can't just shout that back you can't even protect voting rights. You fucks who tell us to just vote harder. I want to end by saying I do believe in voting harder. I believe in voting harder against do nothing Democrats. I believe in holding their feet to the fire. Uh, Individual candidates who you believe in you like. Absolutely. And I also want to direct people before we leave this segment um, to abortionfunds.org to wewon'tgoback.com, which is where you can go to actually see where you can uh, take the streets. Abortion Funds is where you can directly support the clinics that are still operating. And then Liz Winstead's been on this show, but Abortion Action Front is doing a massive training on July 17th. Um, it's like a virtual training. So basically get together with friends, do it uh, through Zoom, however you want to do it. But you get trained up on all kinds of ways that you can directly make a long haul plan to get active. And that is being an escort at clinics that could be making phone calls on the weekly, daily, whatever it is to your, to different legislators. Um, there's so many ways, you know, I know there's some efforts even to like, I was looking into this, like, cause I was like, how do you get people to the places where there are abortions? And like, I've got miles, like I want to help someone out who like, you know, could just use those miles get on a plane and so they've seen those efforts starting up um so there's a lot that's being done we can't be too hopeless even though we can be mad as hell
0: yeah I think it's good to remember that there's been a lot of really great people working on this for a long time and you know it's like yeah I mean there's there's a lot of people that, that care about this issue and, and like Liz and like the people at abortion, uh, abortion funds, you know, have been figuring out how to get people across state lines, pay for their hotel rooms. And like, yes, you know, honestly, like even if you don't have the time or energy to uh, do like ongoing activism, which is great if you do, I, but, you know, just even fucking... Throwing a few hundred bucks to, you know, these abortion funds, particularly if you can do it every so often or whatever, but anything, anything helps. Like this all directly goes. That's the cool thing about abortion funds is the money like directly goes to getting people abortions.
2: Right. Absolutely. And with that, um, Kate, I believe will still be here when we come back from our interview. We got to switch gears and talk about Colombia, which is actually a country that won abortion rights, as I mentioned earlier, um, this year, just in February of this year, and then elected a leftist president. I'm joined by uh, Daniel Pardo to break it all down. This is The (laughs) Sitch. And joining us for The Sitch to talk about this incredible um, victory of the first leftist president in Colombia is a BBC correspondent in Colombia, who is Colombian himself, a man I met only a few years ago um, while, in Buenos Aires while he was working uh, also for the BBC, but mostly covering Venezuela. Um, Daniel Pardo.
1: Hi, friend. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, good to, good to have you here. Um, so we, we, we met a few years ago before the pandemic, you were covering what was going on in Venezuela. Um, I think, um, people in the U S have more of a grasp of maybe not even a good grasp of what's happening in Venezuela, but suddenly out of seemingly left field, um, you have this victory of Gustavo Petro and, um, Francia Marquez, his running mate, um, And they are actually leftist uh, leaders who have campaigned on things like peace, social justice, environmental justice in a very extracted extractivist based economy, oil based economy like Colombia. Um, Tell me, did this come out of nowhere? Who is Gustavo Petro? Just the fact that I haven't heard of him doesn't mean he was in existence before. Tell me more about him
1: he didn't come out of nowhere he is actually a very known politician he has been like in the political spectrum for quite a while in this country at least 30 years um, but he always had this figure of being from the opposition and being anti-establishment so so just to give you a bit of background of him petro in 1977 um, became a militant of the guerrilla of the m 19th which was a social democratic guerrilla, urban nationalist guerrilla movement that was not like the Marxist sort of uh, guerrilla that people think um, are in Colombia. This was different. And he was there for 10 years. Then he demobilized and became a very prominent uh, member of parliament. He denounced and exposed the links between politicians and paramilitaries, these groups that were also illegal, but were from the right wing and were against those guerrillas and were very, very cruel. Uh, he also exposed you know, scandals of corruption, violations of human rights from the state within the, 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 the conflict of Colombia. Um, and then he became mayor of Bogotá, the capital. And he was a very contentious and polemic and polarizing figure because obviously he had a very different agenda to what people were used to in this country. Then he started building this uh, new figure who was trying to become more moderate and more, you know, um, trying to congregate different spectrums, different branches of political thinking to become president. Um, and that's the buildup. The last eight years, he's been trying to build this coalition, which finally made it into the presidency which uh, which is historical as because as you were saying Colombia has never had a purely leftist president in power so it's huge
2: so he was building this coalition with maybe more moderate candidates people who weren't as to the leftist as, as he was, um, and that actually worked out for him, are people afraid that that might compromise his, his values? Or is that sort of what has to be done when you want to gain, um, you know, that kind of political traction?
1: There's a bit of everything of what you said yeah. uh, present, because I think that Petro does, does, has become quite moderate in, 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 in the ways that he does politics, right? So he is more... Pragmatic in the sense that he, you know, builds alliances with people from the political establishment. That doesn't mean that he sacrificed his core, um, you know, like l- lines of thinking that have to do with social social justice, um, global warming, and inequality. Especially, he's he's this is the most unequal country in Latin America and one of the most unequal countries in the world. And that is the main problem that he wants to address. Obviously, it's not going to be easy. There's no re-election in Colombia, and um, the period's only four years. But that is his main thing, and I don't think that has changed. Um, but we're so going to see. So you can't be
2: re-elected. Yeah, there's ahead. a term limit. One one term, four years. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's what you get. So. Sorry, I I cut you off there, but I just wanted to highlight, I don't think a lot of people think of Colombia as one of the most unequal countries in Latin America, which is saying quite a lot considering yes. you've got Brazil and Argentina and these other places that have incredible wealth, but then also incredible poverty.
1: Yeah, indeed, indeed. I mean, Colombia is, it's always rare and it's always difficult to explain. Uh, the, some correspondent was saying the other day that people who get here... The first week they want to write, the first day they want to write an article. The, the second day they want to write like a New Yorker sort of piece. And the next month they don't want to write anything because it's so layered and complicated and full of gray areas that it's difficult to explain. But Colombia is a very fragmented country. And, and, and starting with the fact that it, geographically it has all sorts of regions that are very different from each other, like two coasts, Andes. Um, savannas uh, and the jungle so it's very diverse in terms of geography and biology but also culturally and politically and economically so the country is fragmented in every way possible and that in a way has generated a huge gap between the rich areas and the poor areas the rich areas are in the Andes which is where I am Bogotá although Bogotá is always different but the Andes are the rich place and the two coasts the Pacific coast and the Caribbean coasts are less rich that means that and that's where Petro won actually Petro is his his place is the two coasts whereas Rodolfo Fernandez the guy who wasn't in, in the second um, round w- won in the Andes so that gap that is in every term you know like cultural political and, and economic it's part of the source of that huge inequality that I think that during the pandemic became so evident, so cruel that people just started to get sick of it, started protesting and it became and it it materialized in Petro's election.
2: So that's I just want to point out that's really interesting because he being the former mayor of Bogota, where the Andes is, where Hernandez did well, he didn't actually necessarily carry that same area. You're saying that like Hernandez did better in, in those areas.
1: Bogota is like the 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 mole within the Andes because okay. it's a very cosmopolitan <laughs> sure. and a very, you know, open diverse city. So and it always not always but in the last 10 20 years has voted for the left. So Bogota is is is, is that bit that is different in the Andes, right. the rest of the Andes. So all the, the coffee the industry, for instance which is well known um internationally Is that right wing sort of um, constituency, which voted for Alvaro Uribe, who used to be the president here and is a very popular figure, used to be um, from the right in this country, which people might know from. I remember
2: protesting Uribe from the United States. Specifically uh, when Coca-Cola and other countries were like murdering union activists. And, you know, we were signing these free trade agreements with the United States. Colombia mm, is right. sort of in my mind as like, you know, the place where um, global financial capitalism is leading to the, all this death. Um, anyway, but but that's farther down the line. No, Tell that's,
1: me- a point. that's a point because Petro, in a way, wants to change that. And he's addressing yeah. that, especially yeah. like Francia Marquez, his vice president who is, you know, the first Afro-Vice press, well, she's everything new. <laughs> everything that was not represented in this country for 200 years is her. Um, and her background is social activism and environmentalism on the grounds of these, you know, uh, multinational companies that came here and extracted all sorts of things, including gold that from the region of Francia. So, yeah, that, that is a good point that you remember that because what... Those those are the things. That hugely capitalist society and economic system that used to be Colombia, now it's gonna be into question and, and Petra is going to, you know, tackle that at least. I don't know if he's gonna be able to change it, but he's going to you know.
2: I mean, it's incredible for her victory, I mean, with the two of them is is, is very momentous. Um, especially because of how much, you know, environmental activists in south america and latin america generally are targeted are murdered so the fact that she even survived to this point to be able to be elected and i was reading about how much she you know got um funds and votes from abroad from a lot of afro-colombians who and other colombians who live in like new york city she was campaigning there for example um it's pretty incredible and i remember what it was now it was plan colombia that we were all like protesting right. it was like no to plan colombia blah blah blah, blah. um we lost that fight um, and lost
1: it until now
2: until, until maybe now, but I do want to talk about, so what happened? What was the perfect storm that led to Petro's election 2021? I know there was mass uprisings or protests. Um, and how was that related to the pandemic? And how was that related to just issues that Colombia had been dealing with for many years?
1: You can even go further back. I think um, in 1991, so basically in the 80s, what people know abroad is that Colombia was going, you know, it was all about drug dealing. And drug dealing got into the political and economic system in a way that no other industry did. And in, 19, uh, in 1989, that generated huge violence. Uh, one of the most uh, prominent presidential candidates was killed. It was a very difficult time, right? And in 1991, the solution for that violence was a constitution, that constitution was very um, representative of what Colombia is. So very diverse, very progressive, very um, trying to involve all those people who were excluded for so many you know, centuries, really. Um, but it didn't take place like the constitution was too ahead of its time. And for the last 30 years, Colombia has been trying to put in place that project of a you know, diverse, multi-ethnic, multicultural country. And I think that gradually the country has been able to accept the possibility of a of a politician who represents that, like Petro, in power. Obviously, yes. In the past six years, there's that that change has been has gone faster. And I think that that's because first the peace agreement that the state signed with the FARC rebels in 2016. I think that even though that, that was not a perfect agreement and, and the violence is still in place, that opened the door, that opened the window for new sort of uh, worries, pro- preoccupations for Colombians. This is a country that was obsessed with war and conflict and you know the Cold War sort of logics um, between you know communists against capitalists. And all presidents were elected on that agenda is in this country the conflict was always the, the the main topic of campaigning and elections this time it's the first time that the campaign was not about war it was all about inequality uh global warming social rights you know abortion things like that you know normal sort of things of a country right um, so I think that that buildup has been going on for the th- last 30 years, Colombia getting to be a normal country. And then the pandemic, you know, with all these said, the pandemic, um, you know, showed how poverty is as big as, you know, one of the biggest in Latin America in this country. 50% of people are poor, how inequality is so huge. And one of the main problems here and in other countries in Latin America as well is um informality in terms of labor. Half of the people, half of workers don't have a contract and they have to, you know, get their money from whatever they find the day, the same day that they need the money, right? So when, when lockdowns came up, obviously people didn't have any source of income and the state here doesn't have the capacity or the, even the tradition <laughs> to give people assistance um, in situations like that one. So that generated... Um, a, a very complicated situation, which was, which resulted in these wave of protests in 2019, and but after in 2021, which were the most massive and and complicated ones. And I think that Petro was, I, I wouldn't say that Petro is the result of those protests because he was not the main leader of them, and and he and and people who were protesting were critical of them as well. But I do think that the political process that has been going on and that showed that Colombians do protest and do have a link with the political system um, does result in Petro's election, if you know what mm. I mean.
2: Right, right. It, it wasn't they weren't campaigning for him, but it, it there's a correlation. I think it's so fascinating that you know, you understand how war manipulates civil society, right? I mean, I in this country, you had how, 20 years of a war in Afghanistan um, and uh, a wars in Iraq, war on terror. And in that time, it was like, oh, I'm sorry, none of the social... I mean, I talked about Plan Colombia, which is what sort of, you know, you know I started off, you know, hey, no to free trade, yay to workers' rights, yay to environmentalists. All that stuff got put on the back burner when we had the war on terror and we had to go get the terrorists. Right. So it's amazing. And now Colombia has been living in that state of mentality for so many decades that finally, when there's this glimpse of, hey, let's put this behind us. You have these openings, you know, to actually talk and address real day to day issues for people. And I I guess I wanted to ask you more about I think you wrote on Twitter um, something about like new generations of voters and like how young people have impacted this vote. Can you talk about that?
1: Yes, because it's it's not only the d- democ- demographic change that's been going on and all the, the new voters that we have. It's also the, the, the politicization of civil society. So this is a country that historically didn't vote that much. Turnout was about in between 40 and 50 percent, which is like really low Um and 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 in the past thirty years, I think that young people and and you know urbanites, pe- people from from the cities, have become more close to the political system. Has have learned what means to have a link with the political system. That you have the right to because before that, before that, um, protests in the there were there weren't protests in Colombia. Basically, you you, you didn't go protests because most of the protests uh, from you know unions and things like that were labeled as guerrilla Marxist sort of things, you know, because that obviously permeated any sort of leftist agenda. So there was no, well, and obviously unionists here are not as many, you know, we have the lowest rate of um, union representation in Latin America. So, um, so it's part of the normalization to get people involved, to get people voting. So yes, I think that, This time, Colombia showed that they have evolutionized and and changed and and grown up in a way as a democracy, which is Mm -hmm. pretty big.
2: It's huge. And and, and I want to talk about, you know, the people who are angry (laughs) that Petro uh, became, has been elected president, is president-elect, inaugurated, will be inaugurated early August. Um, And... And that's sort of some of the, you know, the industries that he's maybe not taking aim at, but saying that we need to sort of put the brakes on. So he's even said things like no new oil and gas expansion, which, you know, as someone who's seen a lot of, you know, sort of left-leaning presidents come into power in in Latin America and being like, okay, but, you know, 50% of the economy or, you know, our exports of Colombia are oil. What, you know, what is this bind? So, how real is the, the move away from extractive capitalism in Colombia? And how, how much pressure is he going to be under to not move away? And, and what could you move toward? Like sort of what is that like balancing act here, especially when it comes to oil and natural resources and his desire for environmental justice?
1: I think the intention that he's got is real. He is someone who is partly obsessed with this. He studied, he did a master's in Europe when he was exiled uh, on climate change and so forth. And he really cares about it. And I think that he's going to do as much as possible. The thing is that that possible is really low because as you say, the biggest income for the state here and for the country in general is oil production. And Colombia is not one of the biggest uh, generators of gas as the U.S. is, you know? So it's weird that Colombia cuts their emission, c- cuts their production of oil when other countries are generating more um, gas. So it's 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 a tricky one that I think, and, and, and he doesn't get a very um, solvent sort of state right now. There's a huge deficit, there's a huge debt. Um, so it's not that he's rich and he's going to be able to just stop um, exploration and so forth. So we're going to have to see, how does it go? He says that his government is the first government of several ones that are tr- that are going to give transition to this country. So his project, even though that he's trying that he's only going to be in power, at least that's what we know, because the, cons- uh, according to the Constitution, only four years, his project is longer. And it and, and needs to be longer because it's really deep-rooted. It's a very ambitious project to change a whole industry, to change a whole economy that's been in place for hundreds of years. Well, it's not going to be easy. So we're going to see. We're going to see how, how doable it is. The, what's interesting is that in the rest of re- the region, there's going to be sort of consensus for that. Because as we were saying before, most countries right now are governed – by leftist and progressive uh politicians so there's going to be consensus into tackling this and trying to 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 give countries like the us and the european union um you know a message to say look we are threatened here and this is the amazon and this is important to address and we need to change it we'll see how it goes it's interesting
2: And he he said as much uh, recently, I believe, said something like, you know, the United States needs to play a role and come to the table and understand um, effectively that they're the largest emitters of carbon in the hemisphere and in the world. And so it can't all be on Colombia to like stop, you know, and and I think that that it doesn't feel like a um, so we're not going to stop. It feels like so what do we do? and and i've always argued and i think a lot of global south countries have also argued of course and i've taken i've looked at what they've said which is you need to pay these countries you need to pay us to not de- and extract and develop because you know and help us you know with the tools To reorganize the economy, maybe on renewable energies, maybe on other things, you know, on and and of course, being the backyard of the United States, then being the backyard of all these neoliberal free trade agreements, which is just like export, export, you know, monoculture, monocrop, you know, like, you know, that's not like a lot of countries like Colombia have a wide variety. um, They have so much richness but the dependency is on only one thing, which happens to be destroying the planet and, you know, and, and their country. So it's just I am curious because it's not only you have these new leftist leaders coming to power, but it's different than the Chavez and the Morales moment. It is a Boric, Petro, you know, new moment that you feel like, OK, maybe we can get this done for real um, You know, and not like a pink, like, oh, now we're full Marxist. No, no, no. That's not what I mean. But like truly think of a transition for these economies um, that is more just for the people and for for the environment.
1: Yeah, the difference between that wave, the pink wave, so-called pink wave in the region is huge, which was at the beginning of this century when Chavez and Lula and um, Evo Morales were in power. One of the big biggest difference right now is that the commodities are not as pricey as they used to be. So these new governments, these new wave of leftist governance are not going to be as rich as they, as they used to be. Um, so they're going to have more tension in that ground. And also their, their populations are today more polarized. In that time, I think there was more consensus within the countries that um, these governments were able to govern and, 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 and to put in place those agendas. Whereas now I think the oppositions are more powerful and it's going to be less easy for them to put in place their agendas. And at the same time, I think their agendas are more pragmatic. They're not as idealistic as they used to be. So um, so it's going to be very different, uh, definitely, yes.
2: But it's it's also the same thing of like, you know, the um the a just economy, an economy that works for the environment and the people, is not a left or right issue. This is doesn't have to be, and I think it that's sort of making sense to people. You don't need like a leftist ideology, a, you don't need to talk about 21st century socialism as much as I might like it, you know, but you don't even need to do that to convince the majority of people that this is the way forward. in fact, it might be more helpful to not lead with ideology, but lead with ideas, you know, really lead with like these basic needs because the the evidence bears it out. I'm sorry, the evidence bears it out that that this is the best way forward. Um, anyway, that's, that's just my thoughts. I, I wanted to ask you, okay, so before I ask you about the the right in Colombia, but four years only for Gustavo Petro, does that mean he tees up Francia Marquez to succeed him? What happens there? Or the party sort of reconvenes and um, it's not really about the vice president.
1: No, it is, it is. I think Francia Marquez has huge potential political uh, politically in this country, because she represents uh, so many people that weren't represented, so her 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 link to them is going to be huge, and it's going to be very difficult to for someone to you know take that constituency from her. Um, even if the government's not great, I think that she's she's just so fresh because she's different in every in every sense. She's not only um, Afro; her color of her skin is not only different from the previous hundreds of governance that there's been in power in this country, but also she dresses differently. She speaks differently. She has a different agenda. Everything is so fresh from her that the possibility that she's Petro's successor is huge. The problem is, is that Petro has a personality that he showed during the um, mayorship of Bogota. I don't know if that's the word. Um, and he's very contentious, he's very polemic, and people, you know, he generates lots of, a very strong opposition from all branches of of the political spectrum. So if his presidency is as contentious and as chaotic as was the Bogota mayor, um, I, I don't know if, he, if if they have a future, at least in, this, in the next term. So that that is one of the questions. And one of the worries of many people was that I'm not going to vote for Petro because I don't want to elect... A hard right, a hardline right, uh, as the next president, you know, like a Bolsonaro or something like that. So
2: it's like the, is, the it,
1: it really depends. It's on funny because
2: that, that that feel that's how I feel in this country. Except I feel that with shitty Democrats, like I don't want to elect reelect Biden because he's going to do nothing for four more years, and then we're definitely going to have Trump again, you know, or we're definitely going to have someone awful. Um, because at least you guys might get something done. Petro might get something done, even if he will piss people off. It's like I don't know. And my coming from the United States, I'm like it's better to piss people off and get something done, so you can actually excite people rather than doing very very little and exciting no one. Um, and you're no, and there's a huge. I mean,
1: as I was saying before, this country is trying to grow up as a as a democracy. So even if the if don't if they don't achieve anything the debate about those things, it's quite important. And it's also yeah. a development for a country, you know, growing up as as a democracy in terms of the political culture of citizens is important. And I think that Petro's election is going to contribute in a sense for that.
2: Um, I love this, Danielle. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, is there anything you wanted to add that we didn't get to that people should know?
1: No, just come to Colombia and see it. It's a beautiful, diverse um, nature here is amazing. So, yeah, do come here and um, give us a shout.
2: Oh, my God, don't tell me twice. I've been wanting to go <laughs> for so long. Um, everybody follow Danielle at Pardo, P-A-R-D-O, Daniel, D-A-N-I-E-L, on Twitter. His reporting is wonderful. Again, uh, uh, very rare to have an um, English-language uh, journalist writing for the BBC, who is actually from and living where he is reporting about. And that's what I've always appreciated about Danielle. He's also done a, r- a really great job writing about Venezuela, and we didn't even get to touch on, on that. But uh, maybe you can come back one day when yeah. that, of course, blows exactly. up again. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> okay. Take care, Danielle. Thank you. Hey, take care indeed. That was the Sitch with Danielle Pardo. Um, yes, a pre-record, as you could tell from my uh sloppy handling of the handoffs. This is what it, this is what it looks like. We're still here. We've got one more segment. Kate Willett. Hello. Hi- Hello, how you doing?
0: I'm doing good. I'm, ex- I'm excited to talk about this subject from so many thoughts. <laughs> <laughs>
2: The, our our final our final subject or the or the bonus? Are you teasing up your yimbi bonus? Oh yeah, that's
0: what I was talking about. Yeah, stay tuned stay for fun. that bonus because I'm gonna spill tea.
2: There we go. Stay tuned. Um, Kate uh, found herself uh, on the receiving end of a of a weird yes Good. in my backyard.
0: This it's got to be the strangest subculture online.
2: Just I was floored when I saw what was going on. And also, and I will talk about it in the bonus. So habituation uh, room, excuse me, patreon.com slash habituation room. Get at it of uh, $2 a month, $5 a month, whatever you can afford. Um, please, uh, you know, come on over, support this show and all the awesome people that we have on it, including Kate. Um, and with that, let's do our final fun segment. We got to just bring it up. Although I'm heartened by what happened in Colombia. I'm very excited for that country Um But here was a meme I was late to, which was the she's a 10, but I didn't understand it. I don't get it, but I'm recreating the feminist version of it. Here we go. She's a 10, feminist edition. Kate, what was this meme?
0: The she's a 10, it was like. I'm trying to think of some good examples, but it was, like, she's a 10 and then plus some deal-breaker quality. I kind of tuned most of it out, so I don't really have any good examples of jokes. But there were some funny ones. I hate the, like, rating people on a 1 to 10 scale thing, so I kind of tuned
2: it out. Right, 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 right. It was a little silly, but I also thought we could do it in – I thought about it for a while, and I was like, she's a 10 feminist edition just means – us calling out every Fox News anchor who is legitimate. A but. <laughs> it's, kind of like it's always 10 but. It's like a 10 but you actively propagandize to be a second class citizen. To be only reduced to a 10. A 10 but you will literally only ever be a 10. That's all yeah. you'll
0: be. I saw Kaylee McEnany on a train once when I was on my way to D.C. She was traveling also in coach class, weirdly, but uh i think i've never i mean it was just crazy because she's so stunningly beautiful and just one of the most evil people in the country
2: <laughs> yeah yeah it, it and like just nonstop, stop like diarrhea out coming out of her mouth I, yeah and oh. nothing but propaganda but like what is that like why um You know, you could skate by on your good looks and not be a piece of shit. Yeah.
0: She is. She could easily have been just like an actress or something, you know, or even a regular news person. Not not a fashion news person.
2: Exactly. Not a fashion one. Um, So I said uh, she's a 10. This is my version. She's a 10. But Murdoch signs her paychecks.
0: I love it. I'm supposed to do one.
2: If you have, if you would like, yes.
0: Okay. Or we could do
2: he's a 10, but I I do want to, we'll put caveats on that.
0: Okay. Um, She's a 10, but she thinks that the Dobbs decision is a victory for the family.
2: (laughs) The sanctity. The sanctity of the family.
0: (laughs) Yeah. She's She's a 10, but she's a turf.
2: <laughs> That's a perfect one. Yeah.
0: Uh,
2: and very true. She's a 10. Mine is she's a 10, but she's got a yellow heart next to her name. And it doesn't mean she's part of the beehive.
0: Oh, gosh. Yeah. She's a 10, but she campaigned for Connor Lamb. <laughs>
2: um, She's a 10.
0: <laughs> oh, go ahead. I'm
2: sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, she's a 10, but she didn't resign from the highest court in the land when she should have.
0: Yeah, she's a 10, and she didn't even do it when she had terminal cancer. <laughs> oh, Ruth.
2: Like, like when I was at the marches, and people were like, Ruth sent us. I'm like, meh, nah, meh. Nah. Like, bless her legacy. She fought very hard. Yes, a little. You know, didn't stick the landing.
0: Oh, I will shit talk RBG these days. <laughs> I mean... You know, definitely she did some good stuff, but, I mean, the idea that people are still defending her decision not to retire, like, in light of what happened, what the hell, man? You know, yeah. even if she's a 10, but she's an RPG apologist at this point. <laughs> so
2: often, uh, She's a 10, but she thinks women can control their semen intake. JK, she's, like, a 3.
0: Yeah, she's a 10, but she thinks Johnny Depp is a helpless victim.
2: <laughs> okay, she's a 10, but she thinks Amber Heard is 150% telling the truth. Because I have to say, that's also the other end of the spectrum. Yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> that, that, I mean, there's for sure some psycho Amber Heard people, but the Johnny Depp thing was like a a paid influencer campaign, which was really weird. That was very strange.
2: And the Court TV really had like a fucking moment in like a great month. They just had. Uh, you know, they were like, is this my time? You know what I mean? All these people were like, should I change my hair? Like, it was very, the, the, every goddamn day. I do want to say that there is he's a 10s, but my favorite tweet about this is from Shenanigans Love, who writes, he's a 10, but no, no man is a 10. This is propaganda. Please educate yourself.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that... um yeah. Yeah, it's hard to imagine, like, even being attracted to a guy who's, like, a 10, because, uh, I don't know, there's just, like, something about a guy who's a 10 where it's, like...
2: Well, he's usually not into women, so there's that. Yeah, exactly.
0: That's a big part of it. But even if they are into women, it's, like, I don't know. I think, like, we've normalized, like, women being, like, very vain, but it's still off-putting in a man sometimes.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's, right yeah. That's interesting. That's yeah. an interesting, like, defense of va- of male vanity, of, like, you know, because I totally agree with you. Like, I can't, I couldn't be with anyone who was, like, too into the way they looked.
0: Yeah. Um, exactly. Or, like,
2: who really knew that they were hot. Um, I don't, I just, I'm, like, I used to have, like, a joke. It wasn't a great joke, uh, but it was, like, a like a hot guy's make me feel like a, a praying mantis. You know, like, I want to, like, fuck them, but immediately kill them. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, like, this is fun, but don't tell anybody, and I don't really want to see you again. Um, I was
0: dating this really hot guy that lived in San Francisco for a while. He was incredibly, like, he was just absolutely gorgeous. And I actually hated dating him for that reason, like if anything he was he was like a good person, and i I should have been more open minded about it, but like I would like bring him to comedy shows and people would just always be like, "Why is he so attractive like you know like and i I just
2: explain I don't know, I your
0: wanted, face, yeah, I wanted to be the pretty one, I guess you know. <laughs> yeah.
2: I like that. I wanted to be the pretty one. My he's a 10s. Okay, we have to wrap, but I just want to say, he's a 10, but he can't keep a condom on.
0: Oh, that's bad. Like, I mean, the stealthing now has such a, And a
2: so common. It. Yeah, like, that
0: happened to me once in San Francisco. I was stealthed by a guy. And at that time, it was like before people were like broadly talking about that as a phenomenon, right, you know? Right. And- um now, I mean, that's, uh, with this, like, Rose job, there's a whole other level to it at this point. I mean, Oh, my God, wow. the stealthing.
2: And it's not even, like, there's also, like, like gaslighting stealthing of, like, oh, but it doesn't feel good. Or I just, oh, oops, or, like, please. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I can't keep, it. like, there's a million different
0: yeah. ways
2: that that happens.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, he's a 10, but he thinks that, Voting is sufficient.
2: He's a 10, but he keeps telling women the right way to protest.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's a 10, but he is sending fundraising texts for Democrats today.
2: (laughs) God, someone is behind those texts. And the only person I'm like, really, I'm like Warnock. Okay. Cause you need to beat Herschel Walker, but that's it. Um, anyway Kate Willett, everybody follow Kate on the internets on Twitter uh, on Twitter um, and on like watch her specials her she's amazing has probably one of the best bits around abortion rights I think of any comic working today um, at Kate willet is her handle Kate's uh, what what else anything else to plug
0: I have a podcast where it's a leftist feminist comedy podcast called Reply Guys. And, you know, every week we have, like, different leftist organizers on, sometimes journalists, occasionally a comedian. Francesca's been on the show. We uh, talked about the uh, dumb, dumb left, as in the people who are, like, what if we're just actually right-wing now? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, it's, a, it's a fun show. I really I really enjoyed doing it with my friend Julia. And, uh, yeah, check it out. Reply, guys.
2: All right. Sounds good. All right, Kate, we'll see you in the bonus. Can't wait for that story. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you all for being here um, for this very extended Bituation Room. Holy shit, you got it all. Got to thank all the commenters, the, the super chatters over on YouTube. Is anyone planning to impeach scotus judges who lied under oath to congress? good question. Um, i saw someone respond and be like, "oh there was a good podcast about this." i'm like, "motherfucker, i don't don't direct me to a podcast. Just say it." Like, of course it's illegal. Like, of course it's like there's some reason that like like the supreme court bench is like base. Like once you get there, you could do anything. You could murder a dog. Like on live television, no one can say anything. It's base. It's base for, you know, like all human rights violations. Um, have on YouTube. Thank you for your super chat. It says, we're in desperate times, Fran. You'll have to seduce and blackmail Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. We thank you for your service. <laughs> I'm like trying to imagine who would be more disgusting to try and seduce. I think you're in cinema. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I don't think I could stomach that. Um, Camperman 5000, control your intake of semen by inserting a cork at the end of your partner's penis. Robert, thank you for your super chat. Thomas is coming out hard against social justice issues to use as a shield for Ginny and his criminality. Yeah, he's got to distract. It's like a look over here. This is the craziest thing about me, not the fact that I've been working for right-wing organizations this entire time and I take money from them and my wife is definitely taking money from them and my wife tried to overturn the election in 2020. CJ Jones saying, was she supposed to not quote Hitler? Talking about Mary Miller of Illinois. Yeah, I mean, it was one of the top quotes. Um, Bradley H. Um, in the voice of Biden, of course, uh, please vote for more centrists that we pre-approve based on their track record of doing nothing. Indeed. And uh, Nathalie ML Romer. Hmm, I'm going to call the Dutch embassy in the USA and ask them to set up a walk-in clinic for women in need of Dutch protection and have an abortion as their human right. That is also a really interesting idea. Using embassies for um, countries in solidarity with the right to choose and with abortion rights. That would be Fucking amazing. We live in a third world country. And I say that with respect. Um, And here we go. Of course, um, let me make myself bigger here. But we got to thank everybody with our little fart song. Thank you to all the new patrons at $10 or more. Those are the people who get this shout-out. Brandy Suzette Ruble, a.k.a. Atomic Dragon. Elizabeth Morrissey, thank you so much. Oh, my God. You're part of the Orchata Armada. I salute you. Um, to big tippers, we don't have any. So TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App. Thank you to the Twitch subs, Grandpa Dragon 1953, Hippie Spot, Willie Gus, Pagan Communist, Guitar Playing Dragon, Sharpening Greg Guy, Daniel McConkey, Lizzie Nepon, Matt Gates on a White Bronco, you're so generous, Matt, and Chris Huggy, and thank you for the super chats, of course, Reiki Dragon, Half Robert C.J. Jones, everyone who works on this show, Paige Mech, Alexandra Orness, and Maximilian Inhof. You guys are great. We stream every Sunday, 5-8 Eastern. Um, that may be changing. We're on Twitch. We're on YouTube. We are at a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and remember y'all fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, and don't just bitch about it. Take the streets. Bye.